Let's talk about sex again and again and again because we are doing a sex series. And I'm really excited about today's guest, Felicia Masonheimer. She is an author, speaker, Bible teacher, and she is someone I personally really look up to, admire, listen to in order to learn from. And so I'm really excited for you guys to hear from her. She has been on the podcast before and discussed how to overcome a surface level faith. So if you feel like you have a lukewarm faith or you're struggling with learning how to read the Bible, how to understand the Bible, we unpack all of that in that episode. That is episode 24, again, how to overcome a surface level faith. But today's conversation is pretty different. (laughs) We are talking about masturbation, visual pornography, and emotional pornography, and how it impacts you, your faith, and your relationship if you are married. But as a single, we're also discussing how it impacts your relationship with God. We also discuss the impact that these things have had on our lives. And Felicia is able to speak in depth about this because she actually wrote a book called Christian Cosmo about her own experience and struggles with pornography, masturbation, and how she has overcome and what God has done to help heal along with practical steps to overcome. But we also really dig into what the Bible says about these things and why it can affect your sex life, why it can affect your walk with God, and how it actually impacts and changes your brain physiologically. So I'm really excited for you all to dive in. And if you're new to Living Easy, my heart is to challenge the status quo and talk about the things that might not make people the most comfortable, obviously, (laughs) with this. I think this is probably proof of that more than any other episode I've ever done. But I talk about motherhood. I really dig deep into marriage. We talk a lot about relationships. I have my husband on the podcast sometimes. Some of my most popular episodes include 10 Ways a Wife Disrespects Her Husband, 11 Lessons That I Learned in My 20s. That's actually the most popular episode, and I just recorded it, so that's pretty awesome. The Social Media Heart Check was a popular one. The Five Biggest Mistakes I've Made as a Mom. So I'm a multi-passionate person, and I really like to dig into a variety of topics, but always with a biblical foundation, with the heart of pointing people back to the gospel and God's goodness in your mess, because we all have a lot of mess. (laughs) So today's conversation, I think will really challenge your heart, give you practical steps if this is something that you struggle with. And if it isn't, it is good to know and have the wisdom about so that you can speak to others about the topic. So don't shy away from the conversation, but do share with friends and family who might need to hear it. So I would love if you take a second to subscribe. I have new episodes out every Monday and let's jump in to today's conversation. We were never promised that life would be easy, but when we do it together, it becomes much easier. I genuinely believe that we have to be intentional about creating a joyful life. I believe in happy parenting, healthy marriages, long-lasting friendships, and making perfect memories in imperfect homes. But those things require deep, holy heart work. I am passionate when it comes to sharing vulnerably about the things that people are not always comfortable discussing, and I am passionate about sharing practical wisdom that has helped me to help you navigate through life less stressfully and more purposefully. 
On the Living Easy Podcast, you'll hear honest insight with a biblical foundation to help you become best friends with your spouse again, to love your motherhood so much that you don't need wine or even coffee to get through the day and to find hope in the very real trials and pain that we face moment to moment. I want to challenge you every Monday to live life with purpose, to choose joy, and to honor God with all that you do. Are you ready to fight hard for that sweet, abundant life? If so, I would love to do it together. So grab a cup of coffee and join me every Monday. I'm Lindsay Maestas, and this is the Living Easy Podcast. Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Living Easy Podcast. We are talking about a topic that is one that I honestly have wanted to talk about for a really long time, but I wanted to have the conversation with somebody who was very well researched about the topic, and Felicia is that person. So today we're going to be talking about pornography, masturbation, and what the Bible has to say about all of it. And we're also referring to both singles and their singleness and sexual temptation, and then also married couples. So Felicia, if you wouldn't mind, would you mind sharing a little bit about your story and why or how you came to write the book, Christian Cosmo, on the topic of sex? You know, the longer you tell your testimony, the easier it is, Mm -hmm. but it's still not fun to rehearse that. But essentially... I grew up in the 90s. So back then there really there was internet, but you know it wasn't like it was today. I know for some of our younger listeners that might be really foreign. But during that time, it really wasn't a pressing need in my parents' mind for me to have like a really extensive sex talk very early. Mm-hmm. Um, I was also homeschooled, so I wasn't exposed to a lot of what my public school peers probably would have been. And so all that to say, I had not had a like in-depth sex talk at the time that my own struggle with erotica, which is just pornography and writing, began. And so around age 11 or 12, I was at a garage sale and kind of wandered away from who I was with and just found some books. And I love to read like Boxcar Children, Nancy Drew. And so I was looking through some books and I found one without a cover. And it was a romance novel, like a Harlequin romance novel. And I opened it to a really graphic sex scene. And I knew, I knew what I was reading was wrong and not the right depiction of sex, but I was so curious and wanted to know more that I read that scene. And then I looked for more in that book. And this began to lead to this curiosity where I would continue to seek out these books to try and piece together an understanding of what sex was like in more explicit, you know, specific terms than I'd been given. And this in turn led to basically a pornography addiction. Though I wasn't using the internet for it or using magazines for it, I was using books. And I think we tend to, when we talk about pornography, we tend to leave out novels and fiction that depends on a sexual plot line, but it's just as much pornography as what we have online on apps and on websites. And so this then was connected to what became an addiction to masturbation. I also didn't know what that was at the time. 
I was just very naive. And this combined with the erotica became a problem that I struggled with until I was in my early 20s. And I just felt so much guilt, so much shame, so much just fear around talking to anybody about it because I was in so deep at this point that I felt like my whole life was a lie if I were to confess and say like, I've been reading all these books and, and you know, I struggle with this. And meanwhile, growing up in purity culture, you know, it wasn't something that was openly discussed with my friends or with the church. So all that to say, I think that the secrecy really made it go on a lot longer than it normally would have. When my parents eventually did find out, I did tell them eventually, they were very gracious about it. You know, I don't think that if I had confessed earlier, they would have been freaked out or anything like that. But the fear and the shame definitely kept me quiet longer than I should have. And because of that, I'm really passionate about helping young women, especially who struggle this way, to find freedom. Thank you for sharing that so openly and vulnerably. I know that is not, no matter how many times you share, it can't be the easiest thing, like you said, to talk about. But I'm really thankful that you did because even as you're talking, Felicia, it's bringing back these memories. I remember my stepmom, who was not, she was a little rough around the edges, and she gave me a book, you know, those romance covers like Fabio or something on the front. And I took it home and I read it to my mom's and I remember reading it and it was very graphic. It was definitely like a romance sex novel. And I was little, I was probably eight. So why she gave that to me, I have no idea, but it really piqued kind of an interest in my heart. I loved reading it, but I didn't know why I loved reading it. You know, I am so big on having those conversations so early as I'm sure you are, but I love that you also made the differentiation between pornography on the screen and pornography in a book or in a movie, but also shared the similarity because while it may look different, it does the same thing to our hearts, which causes us ultimately to lust. Personally, just to share a little bit of my story, mine is more geared toward actual video pornography, which our users, younger users might relate to more, but my boyfriend introduced me to it fully. And it was such an interesting thing because now that I look back, it was so normalized. It was so normalized between his friends. I remember they had like a regular 52 card pickup game or something and all of the cards just had naked women on them and it didn't phase me. And my boyfriend would watch it constantly. He would go in the bathroom. I've never shared this before. But he would go in the bathroom and shut the door and watch it. And then I was dating him when I was seeking God for the first time. And I had told him, I want to be pure. I want to start over. And it was days new. And he basically just said, well, then I'm just going to watch porn all the time. And I was like, okay. You know, I didn't know. Well, if that's what you need to do. And then days later it ended, thankfully, because God just really shut the door in that But it was so normal to me that it was around and I saw it a lot. And so when I heard the Christian perspective, you know, God's heart towards purity, God's heart toward you being the only one for your spouse, it was really interesting for me to navigate. And I'm sure there are a lot of people listening who have had an experience with pornography like you and I, Felicia, or they, you know, are 
interested in it or they want to know what the Bible has to say. And so can you talk maybe a little bit, you had mentioned the book, but let's talk about emotional pornography versus physical pornography and how it affects us and what God says about both. Well, I am not the foremost expert on physical or like visual pornography. I will say that. But, you know, I have worked with many young women, mainly just as a spiritual mentor, because I'm not a licensed sex therapist or counselor or anything like that, just kind of to direct them to those people. I've worked with many young women who struggle this way. And the root of it is the same, whether it is erotic novels or quite frankly, most fiction today, most fiction depends on a sexual plot line at some point. And a Netflix show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Just an average Netflix show produced by Netflix that's almost like your guarantee that you're going to run into at least soft porn, sometimes a lot harder nowadays. We saw the acceptability of Fifty Shades of Grey and who read it and you know who thought it was okay just to show us kind of how our culture views these kinds of things, kind of like you said, Lindsay, with your boyfriend, you're like, okay, if that's what you need to do, that's totally fine. That's why Fifty Shades was deemed mommy porn because that's what women were drawn to. And I think one of the interesting distinctions, you didn't really ask for this, but I think this is interesting and intriguing to me, is that women are drawn to these story settings that include the sexual plot line. So you see a lot of men, women too, but a lot of men are just with the straight visual pornography. And definitely a lot of women struggle with it too, but we typically see it. I think I saw statistics somewhere where it was like 80, 90% of men have either been exposed or been addicted. It's really high numbers. But there's a lot of women who are reading these books that contain pornography And it's so intriguing to me because I think what sucks women in is the story, the actual narrative that makes it more appealing almost, or makes it feel more acceptable because it's in the context of a relationship. It's not just straight sex. And so erotica and erotic novels and just fiction in general even, or a Netflix show can be kind of that gateway drug to just regular porn and then harder porn and things like that. Another thing that's interesting regarding romance novels in general is that most women who read it are actually in a relationship. So I found that statistic fascinating. It came directly from the Romance Writers of America and their statistics on their reader base that most women who are reading these erotic romance novels are already in a relationship. And so it's almost like they're seeking this romance that may be lacking in that relationship in the storylines of these novels. So what can happen is, kind of like you pointed out, that difference between emotional and physical pornography, I think that all physical pornography is emotional and all emotional can eventually lead to physical because we're starting with that heart longing, right? That desire that God gave us for physical intimacy, for emotional intimacy, for that story of being captivated, of being desired. That is something that women want. And these stories kind of give us that hit or that like little glimpse of that desire. We can get lost in it for a minute. And we think 
that it is satisfying us, but in fact, it is destroying us. Well, and it creates that sense of discontentment because all that you're thinking of as you read those stories, there was a story I read and I don't laugh because it's funny. I laugh because it was wild how much it impacted my mind. But it was a really popular fiction book. It was not Fifty Shades of Grey. I have not read that book, disclaimer. But it was a really popular fiction book. And it wasn't really sex-based, but it was relationship-based. And I was single at the time. But I found myself almost feeling like I knew that person in such a deeper way. And books can do that. That's why they're magical, but also can be so harmful and destructive, like you're saying, Felicia, because you then begin looking at your spouse as if they should be doing these things. They should be performing in this way and your expectations are unhealthy. And a lot of the time unbiblical, obviously, because you're comparing them to someone else. And I think that there is such a flaw in even in the Christian way that we speak about sex as a whole, because we see the sexuality, the romance as essential to living a fulfilling life. And some women could care less about sex. And we do have an episode with Dr. Julie Slattery about that. But when we idolize the marriage, when we idolize the sexuality, and maybe it's not as fulfilling within our marriage, we then seek out either emotional pornography or visual pornography to try and satisfy that need when God has called that need to be fulfilled within the marriage. And so I want to talk to you a little bit, Felicia, about the Pleasure Center, and I'm sure you know about this, but one thing that resonated with me a long time ago in just celebrity culture, John Mayer said something along the lines of, I would rather watch pornography than sleep with the most beautiful model. And so I started researching why, what does that do? And I found as time went on, the brain has these nerves, obviously called neurons that carry electrical signals back and forth. And the neural pathway is created the more that you stimulate those neurons, of course. And so I had a pastor explain it to me as basically like a canal, a physical canal being formed in your brain. And that's exactly what it is. It's a pathway, like you're, say, walking through the woods and you create a pathway. You know your way back. And it then becomes so viciously competitive with sexuality within your home that even sex with a real partner cannot compete with the brain physiological changes that have taken place. Do you have thoughts of the addiction of it? Did you find that in your own life that you kind of were tempted to go back to it even after you got married? Or was that something that God healed? Absolutely. I think one of the big lies that we maybe even unconsciously just pick up is that, well, if I get married, it will fix my lust problem. And I think it's two-pronged because there's the brain science portion of this, right? Which tells us that getting married would not fix a lust problem just because of what you just described. But I also think like God knows that about our bodies and that's why he has warned so much against sexual immorality of any kind. But also he knows the spiritual side of this, the spiritual implications of this, which is you cannot fix a spiritual problem by just changing the physical expression of that problem. 
So just because you got married and can have sex with a real human doesn't mean that the root of your problem was solved or that you took care of that struggle because that root is still there. And it's kind of like dormant or put aside for a time. But say your husband travels a lot like mine did, or maybe you guys get into a fight and and you aren't sleeping together as much, then what happens? Where do you go? That old pattern raises its head again. And then it's like, well, now what do I do with this? How do I deal with this? And scripture speaks a lot to this. And as a Bible teacher, that's kind of where my you know, expertise lies. But one of the verses that we see that is often used in the modesty conversation, unfortunately, is Matthew 5.28, where Jesus says, you have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I tell you, whoever looks lustfully at a woman has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Well, that applies to women towards men too, or women towards men and women, whatever it is that they're observing. And what he's saying is, this is a heart issue. This is something that's in your heart. And so regardless of what the mode of behavior is, unless you deal with what's going on in your heart, this isn't going to go away. When I first came to the Lord, I was so fascinated by the concept of purity because it was just something I had never known. It was always something that intrigued me because it felt so far off. And as I started becoming closer to Jesus and digging into what his word said and what his heart was for me as a woman, I read the verse, the sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. And I immediately took on the weight of that verse in not fully knowing and understanding the grace of God and his death on the cross washed me white as snow and purified all of my sin. But I carried the shame. And as I progressed forward, I felt like that verse helped to keep me to know, okay, this is the conviction that God has given. This is the conviction on my heart is to remain pure, but the shame kind of stuck with me. Could you speak to that a little bit? Women who have battled this, because I know so many women who have struggled with pornography and continue to struggle with pornography within their marriages or as singles, and they trying to come out of it feel this sense of deep shame and guilt and feel a little bit like they can't overcome. Can you speak to that a little bit, Felicia? Yes, for sure, because I have definitely felt that exact same weight. So to answer it, I want to back up just a little bit. 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells us that sexual sin is actually a sin against ourselves first. And so I think with pornography and erotica, masturbation, addiction, I think that that particularly is true because you may not be actually with another person, but you still feel that weight. And so why would that be, right? Well, I think that's because clearly this sexual sin, it affects not just another person, it affects us and it affects us mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. There's just such depth to sexual shame and sexual sin that there's no quick, easy fix. And that's why a lot of what purity culture taught never really restored people because it fell short of God's full intentions. So in reading a verse like this, 
you read that and you see, okay, this is a sin against myself. Well, why is that though? And that's the question we have to ask next theologically. Why would this be a sin against myself? Well, that's because we are made in the image of God. And that word literally means we are idols of God on earth. So every other religion has, or most of them have a physical idol made of wood or stone, et cetera. And we see that in the Old Testament, but God chose to make quote unquote idols that were living human beings. They were the literal image of God on earth. And so when we use our sexuality in a way that's not what God designed, we are unable to be the fullness of that image of God to the world and we are not reflecting the fullness of his intention. Now, here's the good news, because right now that's really depressing. The good news is that through Christ, he restores that broken image of God in us, and he makes it completely whole and new. He gives us his righteousness, his fullness and wholeness, and he restores us and makes us completely new. And so through that, we are then able to honor ourselves sexually and to honor others sexually, which is a huge part of scripture's teaching in both the Old and the New Testaments was to honor other people as image bearers of God, but also to honor ourselves as image bearers, as idols of God. When we know that Christ has come to do that, and when we believe him, John says in 1 John, if you know and believe the love Christ has for you, then you will walk in his light. We can't just know it. We also have to believe it, right? And only when we know and believe the love he has for us will we then feel truly free from sexual shame. That doesn't mean that you'll never fail again. But what it does mean is you have a framework for repentance and restoration. Victory doesn't mean that you never, ever, ever look at porn again, or you never masturbate again. But what it does mean is that you get back up and you say, Lord, I repent and I accept the righteousness that you've given me in Christ. I know that's who I am. And so therefore that's how I'm going to walk. We don't earn our way to Christ's righteousness. We live up to the righteousness we already have. And that's the hope for every woman who's struggling with sexual shame. Do you desire to be the wife that God created you to be? On Living Easy, you guys know how important it is for me to call you up toward the kingdom and toward a biblical perspective. It's also so important to me that you live your life the way that Jesus intended. And a huge part of that is a healthy, God-honoring marriage. Jesus doesn't want you to just be roommates, living this life side by side without intention. He desires for you to do all things with excellence. And that means being best friends and lovers with your husband. Listen, friends, I've been married for nine years. I totally understand that marriage can be challenging. You're two sinners coming together with different upbringings, different desires, and different personalities. And this can cause conflict, confusion, and loneliness when it isn't worked on by either person. But here's the thing. We as wives are sinners too. We can be frustrating too. We fall short, we fail, and we have room for growth as well. When we sit down and allow ourselves to examine our hearts, we then know the areas in which we can pray and grow deeper in our relationship with Christ. A happy marriage can and should begin with us. Why? For one reason and one reason alone, because we love and follow Jesus. Ladies, the purpose of The Wife Project is not to make you an easier or happier wife for your husband. It is to guide you to be more like Jesus in every area of your life, 
which then flows into your marriage. The Wife Project will be launching this February. It will be packed full of scripture, research, and practical wisdom that will lead you toward a stronger relationship with Jesus, which in turn will pour into a joyful marriage. You'll receive journaling pages and PDFs, which will help you to apply everything that you've learned. And the beauty of the course is that you can do it all in your own time. I will be teaching on topics like having an unbelieving spouse, how to thrive in your marriage even when your husband doesn't lead you spiritually, sex and intimacy, strengthening your communication, fighting fair, forgiveness, and so much more. So if you want to have a thriving marriage and a strong faith life in 2021, the Wife Project course is the perfect start for you. So if you want to get on the wait list, just scroll down from this episode and click the link in my show notes or go to sparrowsandlily.com backslash community. Or you can go to my Instagram at livingeasywithlindsay and just click the link in my bio and it will subscribe you to emails about the Wife Project. Remember you guys, nothing changes if nothing changes. So let's change together. Love you guys. I think one of the things that really helps a lot of the people that I have spoken with about this, and this is more for me where I'm coming from, is just conversations with Christian women who are battling and are like, I don't want this to be a part of my life anymore, but there are these deep moments of temptation. And according to our bodies, we tend to be more tempted before our periods or during ovulation. And so my encouragement in that time is seek out that accountability, making sure that you have people around you who you can be open with. There's no shame. There's no condemnation in Christ. And just knowing that you have the freedom to share that you're struggling because a lot of people might be struggling as well and saying, okay, hey, it's coming around that time. Can you distract me? Can you hold me accountable? Can you ask questions? And of course, it all falls back to a heart issue and obedience to Jesus, but making sure that you're also living out an active faith and doing things that help to prevent you from falling into that sin. Scripture calls us to flee from temptation. So how do you run from temptation instead of putting yourself in a position where it's late at night and you're on your computer or you have that book in your nightstand and the longing is there? So being intentional with preparing yourself for those moments of temptation. And there was something I wanted to read that resonated with me from C.S. Lewis regarding masturbation. And then we'll dive in a little bit deeper into masturbation. He said, for me, the real evil of masturbation would be that it sends a person back into the prison of themselves, just like you're talking about, Felicia, honoring yourself there to keep a harem or like a concubine of imaginary brides. And this harem of imaginary brides, once admitted, works against his ever getting out and really uniting with a real woman because he has all of these visions of these women in his head. So they're all of his brides that are satisfying him. And C.S. Lewis continued to say, for the harem is always accessible, always subservient, calls for no sacrifices or adjustments, and can be endowed with erotic and psychological attractions, which no woman can rival. Among those shadowy brides, he is always adored, always the perfect lover. No demand is made on his unselfishness, no mortification ever imposed on his vanity." In the end, they become merely the medium through which he increasingly adores himself. After all, almost the main work of life is to come out of ourselves, out of the little dark prison we are all born in. 
Masturbation is to be avoided as all things are to be avoided, which retard this process. The danger is that of coming to love the prison. Don't you think that's so powerful? It is. Yeah, it really does describe that so well because he's right. There's no conflict or communication or working through the sexual process with anyone because it's a fantasy. Right. It's It's not real. That's very powerful. I want to talk a little bit about that because I do have people who have messaged me and, and talked through some of these things and they say, well, I would challenge that pornography and even masturbation has helped my marriage, that it has blessed my sex life, so to speak, or has encouraged me because it gives me new ideas or it allows me to be more adventurous or it turns me on before I go to my spouse. So can you talk about why you believe or if you believe that that is not the heart of God for our marriages? So it's always hard to hear something that, you know, flies in the face of what we want to believe. But the reality is that pornography as an industry, we're just going to start there, promotes and relies upon sex trafficking, Mm -hmm. the abuse of women and men and children, and creating scenarios that are set up between people who aren't married. As Christians, we would have to look at pornography through this sense that it is dishonoring image bearers of God just in the manufacture of it. Mm -hmm. And so then the question is, can I stand witness to that and watch adultery be committed, rape be committed, watch people being capitalized upon and used and in good conscience, allow that to be the thing that dictates my sex life in marriage. I know that that could be really shocking and alarming for some people, but it's really important to be aware of. And there's a lot of information and evidence to back this up. Exodus Cry is one good organization that talks about it. It's really a matter of being honest with ourselves about the nature of what we're absorbing. What is this really? It's not harmless. It's hurting people, you know, ourselves aside. Then think about, okay, I'm a Christian, so that means I believe that what Scripture says about Christ is true, and Christ affirmed what Scripture teaches about sexuality. He also lived 33 years as a person who never acted upon his sexual inclinations. So clearly, it's possible to be fulfilled as a human apart from you know that sexual act, and he did that for us. But he also showed us that as whole people— who are walking with the Lord, it requires honoring my own sexuality and honoring the sexuality of, you know, the person I'm married to. And pornography shortchanges that a lot like what C.S. Lewis said, but bringing in another person into the marriage bed. And Hebrews 13.4 says, let the marriage bed be held in honor among all that all of us in the church should be honoring that marriage bed as holy. Now, that doesn't mean that you can never try any sex position except missionary (laughs) or, you know. Can't have fun and enjoy yourself. Yeah. 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 Or be creative in other ways. But what it does mean is that the sexual ethic of honor, so treating people as image bearers of Christ applies to the marriage bed. And so when we bring in those 
images and those characters and these other human people into that sacred moment, what we're actually doing is we're not walking by God's design for sex. I feel so strongly about the sex trafficking, the abuse, and I feel that it is so overlooked or I guess maybe just not even discussed because it is, like you said, it's a full-on, very profitable industry that draws people in through these addictions and through these belief systems that it is beneficial to their lives. But just to confirm what you're saying, Felicia, I'm sure you heard about this, but Pornhub, which is one of the biggest sites known with pornography, they removed, I think, over 10 million videos from their site because of child abuse content. So these are young girls who are either being trafficked and a lot of people think, no, this is voluntary. This is their job. I would challenge you to dig further into understanding that that is not typically the case. For some, yes, it is a choice. It is a decision. But for many, that is not the case. And we do have an episode on Living Easy, episode 49, a CIA agent discusses sex trafficking and how they are working through to kind of take down the head of the snake, so to speak, in order to move through this, but how one of the main ways that they traffic is through pornography. So just as a moral foundation, as a biblical foundation to honor those who love those above ourselves means to not indulge in something that is putting others at harm as well. I believe in, so strongly, I believe in the healing of Jesus. I believe in the overcoming and moving forward. But I love that you said, Felicia, that you can't always just expect yourself to never struggle or battle again. So whether somebody is single or married, what are some practical steps or resources that you would recommend that they can take in order to really come out of this sin? Well, you mentioned accountability, and that is huge. I would say that is the biggest difference between success in this and continuing and failure and shame and addiction, quite frankly. And I think we see this with other addictions, you know, drug and alcohol addictions. What do they do? They get you into a group. They get you around other people. They get you a sponsor to help you walk in freedom. And the same kind of thing applies to this kind of an addiction except with this one, particularly with women, the shame is so heavy that they feel like they're the only one. And I just want to encourage anyone listening that if you think you're the only one, you're not. (laughs) Clearly, Lindsay and I both have struggled with this and there are countless women around the world who do. So you are definitely not the only woman who's dealing with this. But I would say the first step is spiritual and just seeking the Lord and telling him, Lord, I'm done with this. I hate it. I want to be free because so often we can get to that point where we just feel numb and like there's no point anymore. I just keep failing. So there's no point. And there is a point. There is a point of freedom. There is a point of hopefulness and walking without that heavy burden of shame on you all the time. So the first step I would say is just seeking the Lord and making Him a priority, even when you don't feel like it. Just getting in the Word and just praying the simple prayer, just telling Him how you feel, exactly how you feel and and what it feels like to be struggling with this. I have many, many prayer journals that looked just like that when I was younger. 
And then I would say solid church community and accountability. And finding accountability isn't an overnight thing. I actually had to confess to multiple people before I found someone who would actually help me. And if that sounds scary to you, you know what? It is, but I promise you that it's worth it because finding a person who genuinely will help you and say, yes, I will hold you accountable. But the other part of that is you actually have to be honest with them. You actually have to be willing to tell them when you're struggling and you have to be honest with them when you fail. If you don't, it doesn't work. So it's kind of a, a going both ways type of thing. And I've known girls and I have a lust free living short little email course and then a Facebook group for accountability purposes. And some of those girls, they have their mom hold them accountable. Some have college friends, but I usually recommend if you're married to have a woman, if you're a woman, someone outside your marriage to hold you accountable. Your husband can and should know too, but having someone else to help you as well to kind of lift the burden on that spouse a little bit. And I don't know, Lindsay, you might have a different view on that, but I have found that to be helpful in regard to processing it. Yeah, I completely agree. I think I actually have friends where I have just in practical ways to fight it and battle it that they have come to me and I've actually helped to put something on their phone that blocks certain sites. And you can do this on a computer or on a phone. And I think one of them for the computer is Triple X Church. I'm not sure if that's still a thing. I knew of that years ago, but but there are others that can practically help you. And there's a code that there are certain websites you can't get on unless you have the code. And so I only have the code for them. And it's really helped to prevent them. Granted, like we said, it is completely a heart issue. If you want to find it, if your husband wants to find it, they're going to eventually find it. So the root, like Felicia's saying, is completely spiritual. And I so strongly believe that once your sin is out and in the light, it feels scary, but the enemy loses his power over those things when we're willing to speak them out, when we're willing to allow God to give us the freedom to say, this does not hold weight on you anymore because I have forgiven you. I have shed my blood for you and I love you and I see you and I want you to have freedom in this. Um, Second Corinthians says, in Christ, you are a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And if his mercies are new every morning and if we are becoming new every day because of his pruning and when we're abiding in him, those things should not create a burden on our shoulders any longer because it is not ours to carry. We can release that, but we can live practically and faithfully. And like you're saying, Felicia, have those people that we're really, really accountable to. Make sure that you have a biblical perspective of it and don't allow yourself, I guess I would encourage, don't allow yourself to shy away from the truth of the gospel, the truth of what the Bible says in justifying your behavior, because there is a reason that God calls us to sexual purity. And there's a reason that he calls us to keep our marriage bed pure. I fully agree with you. And I think those tips, like I said, with the blocking of allowances of seeing certain things can help, but it ultimately results in sanctification and a change of heart. So I would love for our listeners, like you said, with the Facebook group and everything, that would be amazing. But also tell them a little bit about Christian Cosmo and what that book is intended to do. 
Yeah, so Christian Cosmo is really a compilation of the blog posts I wrote about my sexual sin journey after I finally made it public. So this was years into after I had, you know, come out to different friends and asked them to hold me accountable. Eventually I felt, you know what, the Lord is asking me to be more open about this with other young women. Um, and this was, gosh, probably five, six, seven years ago that I was writing these. And I compiled them into a book called Christian Cosmo, The Sex Talk You Never Had. And a portion of the book is literally a sex talk for girls who've never had one, because there are a lot of girls who have come out of really conservative circles where they never received a sex talk. Maybe they didn't go to public school, so they didn't go to sex ed. And they honestly are very ignorant of what it's like. So it includes some stuff that for some readers would be very basic. Like, I already know all this, but for some girls, they just have to hear it straight. You know, this is what it is. And I tried to write it with the bluntness and honesty of Cosmo magazine, but from a biblical perspective, which is why it's called Christian Cosmo. So throughout it, it also breaks down my own testimony, but then how to walk in freedom from sexual sin. The book will not free you overnight. That's the Lord's job. But I hope that it provides some next steps and resources and thoughts. We've had thousands of women now who've bought it and used it around the world and have found it to be helpful in their journey. And then I do have that seven-day email course that kind of breaks down the process with access to a private Facebook group for women who are struggling as well. Perfect. Well, thank you so much, Felicia. I so respect your opinion and I'm just so thankful to have had you on. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yes. So on Instagram, I'm Felicia Masonheimer, Felicia with a P-H-Y. And same thing on Facebook. And then my website is FeliciaMasonheimer.com. And it has dozens of posts about sexuality and sexual sin. If you go to categories, you can find all of them. And... So my listeners know I just launched a shop today, which has been a whirlwind, but I know you did the same. Every woman, a theologian, correct? Can you tell them about that a little bit? Yes. And how exciting you launched a shop. I can't wait to go see. Um, (laughs) Thank you. It is on the website. So if you're right on FeliciaMasonheimer.com, you'll see shop and you can check that out. It always has eBooks available to be bought, including Christian Cosmo. And then four times a year, we open it for merchandise shopping. So sweatshirts, hats, keychains, all that fun stuff. Well, thank you so much. And as always, you guys, if you enjoyed this episode, please do take a second to share with somebody who might need to hear this, anyone who struggles with this, or just your followers so that they're able to see that these conversations are being had with a biblical foundation. Tag us at Living Easy with Lindsay and at Felicia Masonheimer to let us know your feedback because we love hearing from you. Also, if you haven't had a second to rate and review, please just scroll down from the episode and give a quick star rating and some more feedback because I would love to hear it. Thank you so much, Felicia. And for all of our listeners, we will talk to you guys next Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, please take a second to share the love. The simple act of taking a screenshot of this episode and tagging the Living Easy podcast makes such a huge difference in my little podcasting world. If you are blessed, challenged, or impacted by this conversation, someone else you know might be too. So please feel free to share a little hope and joy with the people that you love.
If you haven't already, please take 30 seconds to scroll down from this episode or the podcast homepage on iTunes to give a quick rating and review. This makes a huge difference and helps in getting great guests for future interviews. Don't forget to follow along with me on Instagram for encouragement, devotionals, and practical advice on all the life and faith stuff. Love you guys.